This morning I'm going to preach on, on, on a, a title called The Revival of Integrity. And the next service I'm going to do a message on the revival in, of integrity. But they're two different, uh, two different messages. Uh, but I think it's important. Why our senior pastor is talking about revival and has been for a number of weeks now. And he's articulated it that revival should not be um, relegated to only a historical memory of a move of God in another nation at another time. But revival and when the, when the Spirit of God and God Himself revives us, that revival can be a spiritual revival. It can be a revival in our marriages. It can be a revival in our relationships. It can be a revival in our business. It could be a revival in our finances. But when God speaks and, and, and revives and brings life. There's no limitation on what can, God can do. But I'm believing that one of the contributions that we can make to, to, uh, to the Lord is to live such lives where the Lord cannot help Himself but smile and show favour on His people. And one of the reasons what, which moves God, I believe, is when He sees in His church a revival of integrity. Because when he sees that, he sees a people who are after his own heart. Revival of integrity. In the 1990s, as you would know if you know a little bit of your history, the Soviet Union kind of split up and all these different republics, I think there was 15 of them, claimed independence. At that time, I was in England. I'm from Manchester, England, by the way. So you've not got an Australian accent to deal with this morning. And uh, when I was living in England, when that happened, we decided that we wanted to support a church somewhere in that kind of new order. And we got the opportunity to support in Estonia. And over the next few years, I probably went 30 times to Estonia and doing some training, a Bible school, and then helping the graduates to, to plant churches. And it was a fascinating uh, experience for us over a few years. Some of those young people are smart people. I mean, the fact that I'm speaking English and quite quickly and nobody's walked out yet says that you have got some lingu linguistic skills which are, quite, which are quite impressive. The Estonians, here they were, now opened up to new possibilities, all wanted to learn English and learn other languages. And so the interpreter at the, the first kind of time or two we went over were older people who had been educated in, in, uh, in an English-speaking country that were translating. But within a year, the, the translators got younger. And these young people were smart kids. And uh, I remember using the word integrity about a year and a half into all of these visits. And for the first time, the interpreter said, can you explain that word to me? So I explained, is, is it, do you mean sincerity? I said, no, it's kind of more than, and I tried to explain integrity. And she said that our language is an ancient language. It's a Finno-Ugric language. No extra charge this morning for information and education class. It's a Finno-Ugric language. It's an old, ancient language. And we don't really have a word that actually adequately describes what you're talking about. And over the next year or two, these young Christian interpreters, and I'm talking about 18 to 21-year-olds, were writing now to the department within Estonia to suggest new, newly created and fashioned Estonian words to describe things that have never been in their language adequately or in their experience. And so Estonia got a new word, and one of them was for the word integrity. 
And it's actually like that in many of our realities, that we kind of know something about integrity, but we don't actually know precisely what to say about it, what it means, and especially how to fulfill it. The Great Wall of China is the only man-made structure visible from space. You see, the word integrity in the English language is often used to describe the strength and the solidity of a wall. Therefore, the opposite of the integrity of a wall is the weakness of a wall. There's something about strength when you talk about the word integrity. Now then, the Great Wall of China, which you can see from space, took the Chinese seven dynasties and over 2,000 years to properly build to keep the barbarians out from the north. That was their idea. It covers 21,000 kilometers. They decided to make it so thick that there was no way of breaking through it. So long, you couldn't go around it. So high, you couldn't climb over it. But within 100 years of completion, China had been invaded, invaded three times. They didn't go through it. They didn't go around it. They didn't go over it. They just bribed the gatekeepers. Because you can have the integrity of the wall, but integrity is always going to be the benchmark of the integrity of the heart of a human being. The dictionary defines integrity as a set of moral or ethical standards that are adhered to. So they're not writings for us to look at and nod at. They are levels and values and standards that you adhere to, you fulfill, you live out. Now, what integrity is not, just to clarify a few misconceptions, integrity is not just sincerity. You see, sincerity is included within integrity, but integrity is far much more. For instance, you can be absolutely sincere, but sincerely wrong. Because what you're believing in is incorrect, but you are sincere. But integrity depends upon the truth of what you are adhering to and then doing that in a solid and a proper way. So it's more than sincerity. It's not just honesty. It's more than honesty. See, honesty admits I've done something wrong. It's reactive. I just said something or, or did an action and it was wrong and I'm happy to be honest about it because I didn't do it right. But there's something about integrity that is not past tense. It's current and present with an intention for the future. In other words, there's enough integrity of heart within my heart that when I know that I'm going to have an opportunity to make a bad decision, the integrity in my heart is already there to enable me now to make the right decision that takes me into the future. So it's more than honesty. Integrity is not a single action. Think about this. You could borrow some money from someone or a book. How often have we done this? I won't say, oh, I'll give it you back when I've read it. And 45 years later, it's still on your bookshelf or in a cupboard. And the person who, who lent the book to you is thinking, that person has got no integrity. Because your word wasn't your bond. Your yes wasn't your yes. But it's not a single action. You see, just because you do return the book exactly when you said you would, what happens if the following day you cheat on your tax returns? 
It's not a single action. To be a person of integrity, you could do four or five or six actions of integrity, but the moment that you do other actions that are not integrous, it means that you are not fully a person of integrity. It's not about one action. It's about a heart and a full adherence to that way of life. Proverbs 20 says, Most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? The righteous man walks in his integrity. His children, their future, are blessed after him. So maybe the most important thing I can say to you about what it is not, think about this one, it is not perfection. In, to be a person of integrity would not mean it's, you are a person of perfection. Now this is important to understand. Integrity, for instance, is not sinlessness. You can still stuff up in life. You can still make mistakes and get things wrong and be a person of integrity. Good, good people live with good values. They live with core values, integrity. They set the pace. They set the tone. They set the values around them. They don't easily compromise when they live life. The Bible talks about many people that... The Lord himself and certainly the word of God has designated as people of integrity. But when you read their life stories, you suddenly work out they're not perfect. So you can be a person of integrity, but not necessarily perfect. David, incredible example, actually declared by the word of God to be a man of integrity and someone who served the purposes of God fully in his generation, but a man who sinned. A man who let God down and let himself down. And yet he was designated as a man of integrity. It's really important to understand because otherwise we're trying to do life to such an extent that, that if we're imperfect, some personalities, you make one mistake having done so well for such a long time and you feel like absolute rubbish. The, the enemy just has to say one word to you or, or a spouse or, or a son or a daughter or somebody in the church, or somebody in your connect group, and you, you've lived, you've, tr you've done so well, you've tried so hard, but it's not about perfection. It's having something in your heart that says, Lord, if I do ever mess up, I am so, I, I am and will be so sorry, but my heart is set on being Christ-like. My heart is set on learning how to do life right and how to do life well. And if I'm not perfect, I know that you are and you have got my back. Psalm 51 is a great psalm because it deals with the open, vulnerable heart of David, who was a man of integrity, but who made the biggest of mistakes. A man of integrity who made the biggest of mistakes. Think about this. Boy who learned in the fields, not just to tend sheep, but to love God and to worship God and to write songs of worship to God. And he had a relationship with God that was pure and innocent and beautiful. It was a heart that God responded to. He, he, he put his mark and his seal upon David. And here's David who learns as a son with, with siblings and, 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 and father and, and does well as a son and does well serving his family and serving God. And, and, and God keeps moving him forward and he ends up being the king of Israel. And yet as the king of Israel, he then goes and sins with Bathsheba. He, he then takes somebody else's wife. 
And he's this man of God. Now, 21st century, you can imagine the repercussions of such an act. But imagine what was going on in the heart of David. And then he goes, gets it even worse. Because then he makes sure that the husband of the lady is then sent to the front lines of war to lose his life. You see how mistakes can create more mistakes and more mistakes, or let me put it in Old Testament Bible language, a sin can cause another sin to be made to cover up the sin that was first done. And suddenly you're in a cycle and you think, how do I get out of this? Let me tell you how David got out of it. Because he had a heart of integrity. He wasn't sinless. There was, there was a consciousness within him. There was a moral code within him that even though he had committed the worst of crimes, as it were, that still within him was this knowledge of God, relationship with God, this desire, this compass, this moral code, this set of values that said, David, you idiot, why have you done that? And now why cover this? And how far am I going to go? And then he writes Psalm 51 and he pours out his heart to God. And look what he says. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew, restore, revive a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. What has to change to restore integrity? If you want to get your, your life back on track when you make mistakes and many of us have not gone this far, hopefully, but it's whatever errors of life poor decisions, bad direction we take. What do you do? Verse 17, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, uh, a broken and contrite heart, you, God, will not despise. He has to get his heart back on track again. Why? There was enough integrity within him to say, I cannot just continue down this direction of error, this direction of mistakes, these wrong decisions. I'm going to get my heart right. I'm going to say to God, God, against you I have sinned and I've made a mistake and I've stuffed up and I've done wrong, but I'm so sorry because within my heart is still this, this desire to, to live right. I, I want to live a life of integrity. It's within me. I can't ignore it. You know something, what is in you is in you, no matter what you do. For your kids, what you have put in them is in them, whatever their actions are today. You know, you cannot unsee what you've seen. You cannot unhear what you've heard. 
And you know, there are moments in life when life is going off track, when we have heard things that become part of our DNA and we've experienced things and, and we've seen things and we just have to pray that people do a David, that people get that moment when they say, out of integrity, I cannot keep going that route. I want to come. That's what the prodigal son did exactly in that moment. And that's a word for many people in this place, that it doesn't matter which direction you've erroneously gone on a, a wrong track in life. Today is your day. If there's enough integrity of heart to say, I just want to do things right. I ain't going to fight against God and I ain't going to go on in another circle like a whirlpool of error after error. I can stop the time, do a David and do the right thing. See, integrity is the moral character within you that God, if you've been a Christian any longer than five minutes, is already within you. That the Spirit of God is already within you. You've become a temple of Holy Spirit. The Word of God has been fed into you. The, 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 the hope and the faith and the future. And you look at yourself and think, I'm such a nothing. I'm such a nobody. I know hardly, I know hardly anything because there's so much to know. But you're a, when God looks at you, he sees the work of Jesus Christ in you, his son. He sees the, the he, he can't help but love you to bits. You know, how many parents do we have that our, our sons or our daughters make the biggest of mistakes, but you can't stop loving them. You, you just cannot stop loving them. And God, no matter what you or I have done, cannot help himself. He loves us absolutely to bits. He's a good God. He's a very, very good God. I think we should give God an ovation of praise before we go on any further. So we know what, it's, what integrity isn't. It isn't just sincerity. It's not just being sincere. It's not just, being, it's not just an act of honesty. It's not sinless perfection. It's not just a one-off thing. Firstly, it definitely acknowledges sin. Uh, just to finish that point, it recognizes the integrity within you that when you're getting things right and when you're getting things wrong, in the next message I'm going to talk about conscience and the way that God uses conscience to enable us to do these things very well. Psalm 32, just to finish this point off, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Don't you want to be there rather than messing around in, in, all, the, in all the mess of life? Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was strapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin. That's all we got to do to get back on track. Because integrity acknowledges when things have gone wrong. Then I acknowledged my sin to you. I didn't cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. And there's the steps for any of us today that feel like we're off track. We acknowledge because there's enough of integrity in our heart to say, I ain't going to go around that whirlpool any longer. I acknowledge I've done wrong. I ain't going to cover it up. I'm going to confess. I'm going to get it right with God. I'm going to get my heart right. He forgives and I get the restoration of my salvation and the joy and we move forward again. Secondly, integrity is strength. It is not weakness. Integrity is the strength that will carry you forward in life. It's one of the strongest values. If you want to be a great person, well, you need to start thinking about the integrity of your heart. If you want to be a great parent, value the integrity of, the, of your heart, not just the number of books you've written, uh, read on parenting. If you want to be a great leader, 
integrity of heart is actually one of the values that humanity, even secular humanity, would, would recognise as being the preference towards people of integrity versus the following of people without, clearly without any integrity. You see, academia cannot give you integrity. A position or a title of office cannot give you integrity. But if you are in those positions, how much better to be in a position of authority, to be a parent, to be a boss, to be a manager, to be a connect group leader and be a person who has not only got some abilities and skills to pass on, but demonstrate a life of integrity. I love the fact that um, our senior pastor, Brian, is so good with those who have made mistakes in life. Those who were, were, were serving God maybe and, and doing so well and then have really stuffed up in life. And I've noticed in Brian over the last 10 years such an ability, such a love and a care towards people that others have written off. You know, in, in society, we, there's that phrase, we shoot the wounded. You know, they're already down and then we give them another shot just to make it even harder. That's not the way of the gospel. It's not the way of Jesus. And, and, and I love the fact that Brian has still believed in people. He's still talked to people. He's still sent the text message. He's still saying, you can come back from this. He's still done all of those sorts of things. It's been a big challenge to us many times because we're wondering, would I really go that far? Would I really believe in someone who's fallen that far from where they were? But it's a great lesson if Brian can do that. And I look at what Christ has done. Christ has done that with all of us. Every single one of us. So it's definitely going to be one of those calls on our lives. Part of the integrity is to be able to do this with people. Integrity has a cost. Not just monetary, but sometimes even monetarily. You know, have you ever been to a restaurant and the four of you had dinner and you're German, so you may have had a nice little bottle of wine or... Uh, or a beer or two, or something like that, as real good German Christians, I don't know. And, uh, and, you, and you know in your mind, more or less, what the bill is going to be. And then you get to the, to the, uh, to the, to the young lady who's there uh, to take your money, and, and she gives you the bill, and in your mind, it's whatever it is. It's 300 euros, and she gives you a bill for 100, 120. Now, someone without integrity says, thank you, Jesus. The Lord hath provided glory because I've got away without paying the 300. I've only got to pay 110. Hallelujah. And then you hit it off and you're off and you're thinking God has been good to you. You miserable, non-integrous person, you. That, that young girl can lose her job because of a mistake that she's made. She could, you know, tally up the numbers at the end and she's now missing 190 euros. Well, guess where that might potentially come from her wages or cancel all tips for the next month or something like that. And you're thanking Jesus for the, no, it was a mistake. Integrity says you get out of the restaurant and you look at it and you think, hold on a minute. That can't be right. We've spent more than a hundred and ten. I'm going back. And you go back and this is what we all do, don't we? Good answer. You go back and you say, excuse me, sweetheart, but I think you've made a mistake here. Don't want you to get in any trouble, but we, that definitely wasn't our table. And uh, we I still owe you 100. Can you, can you fix it up for me? Integrity comes down to such practical, pragmatic things. You see, you've not told that woman about Jesus. You've not talked about Hillsong Church. You've just done the right thing. And when God looks at you, he's thinking, there's one. There's one of mine that gets it. There's one of mine that says integrity of heart is more important 
than just getting away with what we get away with. It's not the way to go. Integrity opens doors. Let me tell you a story. You see, we think in the 21st century as Christians, if I'm going to be a person of integrity, it might cost me a friendship or two. People might laugh at me because then I don't go along with the crowd all the time. Maybe I don't compromise where others do and I'm, I feel bad about kind of saying, actually, I kind of want to do this differently. But I thank God for people of integrity because they're the ones that open doors, not only into other people's lives, but as I'm about to show you, even into the direction of a nation. See, there was, and what I'm about to say, there's no political comment about this. This is just factually the way that it worked out. But there was a lady called Natalia Dimitruk, and I'm sure I've pronounced that wrongly. She's a Ukrainian. I love Ukraine. Been to Ukraine many times. Our church over there is awesome. Um, and this lady, Natalia Dimitruk, her job was she was a, sign, a deaf signer, you know. So she worked in the government offices, and she was the one when, when there was, um, you know, the parliament was on television. She'd be the one in the little bottom hand, right hand corner of the TV set, and you just see them deaf signing. That's who she was. And it was a time when the, um, it was 2004 when elections were taking place. And of course, you had two different candidates one from the Ukraine and one who wasn't from the neighboring nation, shall we say. And so the TV at that time was still in the hands of the bigger power. And so what was said on television was manipulated or used, if you like, to make sure that it was what they wanted to be said rather than what was actually necessarily factual. And so this girl is just an interpreter. And so it gets to the point where she has been in the meetings with the TV people and the state-run heads saying, okay, the, the results are going really badly. I mean, really badly, not the way we want to go. We can help this. So I want you to go on, you go on, and you say, we're going to give you an update, and they were going to tell a whole different story than the reality. She hears the discussion. She's a Christian. And she goes, and she's now standing about to interpret something that she knows is wholly untrue. And so this is what happens. This is 2004. The announcement is made, and they say, ladies and gentlemen, we announced that the challenger, and gives his name, um, is way ahead in the, sorry, that the, the name of the, the, the guy that was being supported by state is, is massively ahead and the, the uh, opponent is about to be defeated. That's the latest as we gather in all the results. What she says is, I am addressing everybody who is deaf in Ukraine. Our president is Viktor Yuchenko. Do not trust the results of the Central Election Committee. Of course, the person who's actually doing the talking hasn't got a clue what she's saying. They, they are all lies. And I am very ashamed to translate such lies to you. Maybe you will see me again. She took a big risk doing what she did. The deaf community listening, I'm saying listening to that, whatever the right word is, understanding that, I'm so sorry, understanding that they were obviously thinking we've got information that like nobody's got. They made sure that Ukrainian journalists were immediately made aware. The Ukrainian journalist to a high percentage decided that she has shown something of more guts 
who represents our nation better than the way we are just reporting what we are told to report. Something began which was called the Orange Revolution. One million people marched in Kiev demanding a new and fair election. The UKR Supreme Court court determined that the first election was invalid. One month later, on December the 26th, 2004, new elections and a new Ukrainian president was voted in, all because one deaf signer had too much integrity to just repeat the lies that have been going. So why are we so scared of standing out from the crowd? She could have lost her life for showing some integrity. But I reckon in our families and I reckon in our workplace and I reckon in our city and I reckon in our streets and I reckon in our environment that if God looks down and sees his church and sees a people of integrity, not just the ones that we, we sing well, we put on great church services, we look smart, everything's organised, the, 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 the production is magnificent. But when he looks down on you when you're in your workplace, when he looks down upon you when you're with your family, when decisions are being made, when stances and positioning needs to be taken and he sees a church full of people who just want to do the right thing by God's values and God's standards, I reckon there's a revival of integrity in the 21st century that will do us the world of good and our cities the world of good and will open doors for the future. And it's good because integrity is the Jesus way to do life. It says in Mark chapter 12, they came to him and said, teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. They may have only seen him as a man, some of them. Their revelation of who he actually was may have been so limited or obscured, but they even saw if he was a man, he was a man of complete integrity. He was obviously more than a man. He was the son of God. He was God the son. He was perfect in integrity because he was sinless, pure, the creator. But they looked into Jesus and they saw what? integrity. What did they value him as? Where did they pitch him? How did they describe him? What words did they use to characterise him? Jesus, you, we know, are a man of integrity. There was something that stood him aside from the rest. He wasn't another religious leader. He wasn't another dogmatist. He wasn't a political uh, leader in any shape or form. He was Jesus Christ. They didn't know whether he was a son of God or just a good man. What they did know is that this man through everything he has said and everything he has done is a man of integrity. If we are gonna be a man or a woman of integrity like Jesus, we will be the ones that likewise, people will not understand everything about you. They won't be able to characterise and describe everything. But if they can just look into your life, if they can hear you, your actions and your reactions and the things you say and the things you don't say, and I say at least those people are people of integrity, I reckon we've done the right thing. To be a church that keeps its promises, to be people who speak the truth, to be people who maintain values, to be people who live right is the way to go. Church in Berlin. What will characterise the church of Hillsong? I hope it's better than the things we do. I hope it's better than the things we do within the brewery or the cinemas of Berlin. I hope what God sees when He looks down on our lives and I hope that what Berlin sees is a church full of people who not on Sunday mornings, but on seven days a week have got something about them that is inexplicable, that is not understood easily by everyone else, that is not even agreed with by everyone else, but nobody can deny. If we're guilty of anything, let's be guilty 
of integrity in Jesus' name.